0: Listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Get ready to launch yourself into the latest Rockets News. You're listening to the Launchpad Podcast presented by Apollo Media, All Houston, All Original. I am your host, Lashar Binkley. I am the director of basketball operation for Overtime Eroics. I am a contributor for Space City Scoop and, of course, a podcast host for Launchpad Podcast, which you are listening to right now. You can also find me on Twitter at H-time for Life 40 all caps. And be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account at Apollo HOU. That's Apollo HOU is caps, all caps. That's just hit uh, 10,000 followers, by the way. Thank you to all the people that follow Apollo Media on Twitter. Uh, Instagram, Twitch, uh, we definitely appreciate it. And make sure you hit the subscribe, subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, today we have a special special guest on with us today. He is the podcast host for the Peña the Sixth Man, which is part of uh, Crossover 365, which is at Crossover 365. He is a NBA, college basketball, N- NFL a reporter for At Busting Brackets, also a college hoops recruiting analyst for Zag's Blog. Probably one of the hardest working people I know in sports media, and a person I've been talking back and forth on Twitter, on social media for a while. And uh, definitely happy to have him on. We are joined by Tobias Bass. Thank you for joining us today on the Launchpad Podcast.
1: No problem, man. Thank you for having me on. And,
0: and for some of the people that you know may not know you, why don't you give a little bit of background about yourself?
1: Um, like you said, um, I'm a writer for a uh, college basketball recruiting analyst for Zag's blog. I pretty much, you know, since I've been vaccinated, just been traveling around, covering some of these big high school AAU events, getting to see some of the best kids in the country, not only in the state of Texas, but just all over the country. It's been honestly a blessing. I'm just glad COVID is getting yes. somewhat better, that we're able to travel and move around. So as the summer goes on, like I was totally you off air, I'll be in Dallas a lot, outside of Austin. I was thinking about maybe going to the Peach Jam or going to Vegas this summer too, just to catch a couple of events. Or I may go to the, um, to the summer league this summer as well. But yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I just, I write, I talk hoops, write hoops and talk a little bit NFL as well.
0: Yeah. And, and that's the that so I said, uh, said earlier. One of the hardest working people I know you're always covering all these different events. Um, and kind of, of course, as you know, the big topic that's going around Houston with the Rockets getting a number two pick is, who should they select if Detroit selects Kay Cunningham and number one should the arise go with Evan Mobley or Jalen Green and you follow players all the way from high school, maybe before that, all the way up through the NBA and that's uh, kind of where I want to start uh, the first question with. Um, when we're talking about Evan Mobley and Jalen Green, let's start with Evan Mobley. What's kind of been your opinion of him since you first started recruiting or first started paying attention to him and scouting him? Uh, What's some of the things that he has improved on since that, you know, very first day that you started taking a look at him up until now, you know, right a month out from the draft?
1: Well, the first thing was, I think earlier in the year, you would see didn't
0: give him the ball of it. He was by far
1: the best player. And then you would see times he would score three, four buckets in a row, and he wouldn't touch it for seven minutes. So I think the biggest thing was, them giving him the ball more so we can see more of his offensive skill set. Defensively, I mean, defensively, he's a he's, he's a very, very good shot blocker. He, rebound, he rebounds the ball well. Um, I wish he could be a little bit more physical when he does it because he needs to gain weight, but that's part of him. He's like 18, so he'll get into that when he gets older. But he's 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 special, man. I think he has an AD. eight I hate comparing him to guys like that, but he has a yeah. similar level of um, talent and potential. I think he could be that at, at some point. 7'4 wingspan. He he actually can put the ball on the floor. He can shoot threes a little bit. I want to, I like to fit with. I like to fit with the Rockets, but I I, I do like to fit. But I want to see if they 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 go another direction.
0: So and speaking of you know going another direction, uh, of course the other selection right now I think is kind of uh, consensus across the board is Jalen Green. So what do you see from Jalen Green that will? translate from where he is now into the nba game but what's also some of the things that you think he needs to work on um going into the nba
1: um so this is a funny thing with me when Jalen green was in high school i actually wasn't i wasn't the biggest fan of yeah. uh Jaylen green i had watched him play a couple of times in person and on tv as well um he's got a lot better than last awesome you know some of these games they weren't all on tv all the time but i did get to watch him over the pandemic. Um, He's he's explosive, man. He's a big time athlete. I think that he'll definitely bring some juice back to Houston. They did have a they didn't have a good season this year, but I think bringing in a player like him, he's definitely he's a fun player to watch. He's a you know social media sensation. I think that the city yeah. definitely would uh gather around him. I guess as far as something he needs to work on, just defensively, I think the defense's majority of it is effort, and you know he's been able to get away with that because he's, he's he's so talented. You know sometimes they might not push him to be the most defensive type of guy. Houston has had perimeter players recently that don't play defense, so I think that would be that would be something that they're used to seeing. But he's he's explosive, man. He's a really strong finisher. He's really improved his three point shot. I remember in high school that was a big flaw of his game, but he's really improved his shot. He shot pretty well over these couple of games when he played with the G League. So if they can pair him and Kevin Porter now, that'll, that'll be fun. That'll probably be one of the better young backcourts in the in the league, definitely in the West. And I think that that would definitely re-energize the city.
0: And, and also comparing the two players. So what do you think is more likely to happen? Is it Evan Mobley's offense taking it to the next level, all-star level or Jalen Green being able to become not necessarily a lockdown defender, but definitely become more of a plus defender uh when he gets to the nba well
1: i think for the Mobley perspective if hakeem is still around the team which i know he is i definitely know a team will get him in the gym and he'll definitely help him with anything and everything because just from a yeah. pure talent standpoint and this guy he's amazing as in Evan mobile he's really athletic long wingspan he's just a lot more skilled with the ball in his hand so if he can get in the gym with hakeem he can give him some more better footwork and work on his you know just getting stronger i think that he could definitely be a franchise center going forward as for Jalen green I think the thing with him is he has to just be on the floor because he's going to play a lot with the Rockets, but you have Kevin Porter, you have Eric Gordon, you have John Wall. He's got still still currently on the team. You're going to play your number two overall pick, but I think that if you bring in Jalen Green, John Wall, you would have to, I think, trade him, especially showing that Kevin Porter, he shows that he can initiate offense very effectively. I think that you would have to probably trade John Wall before the trade deadline, if not this summer, because you need your young guys to be on the floor.
0: Yeah, and I, I guess that's kind of the biggest thing that's kind of holding some, you know, Rockets fans back from just going all in on Jalen Green is because it's a crowded backcourt. I mean, like you said, you have John Wall, who, you know, you would love if he was more like Derrick Rose and kind mm-hmm. of took a back seat, but you know, knew his, knew at times that you know where he needed to step forward and take over. But I think with John Wall coming off those major injuries, I just don't think that's as likely because he's still right. trying to prove that he's one of the better point guards in the league. Um, And if you bring in a Jalen Green, that definitely gives you a crowded backcourt. I mean, I guess it's worse situations to be in than to have, you know, three capable uh, ball handlers in the backcourt. But like you said, that would definitely take away from Kevin Porter Jr. running point and taking the ball away from Jalen Green. And that kind of leads me to my next question. Do you think Jalen Green, um, I don't know if his passing is kind of one of the first thing you think of with Jalen Green, but do you think that's something he can improve on going into the NBA?
1: I think it's something he'll definitely have to improve on because as you see, even in the college level and in the NBA level, multi-guard lineups are being used a lot more. I actually wrote a story about this a year ago, but the thing with multi-guard lineups is typically if you're going to play two or three of them at the same time, I would say at least two or three, if not all of them, have to be able to create initiate offense not only for themselves, but for other people. Kevin Porter, we saw that he can do that at the high level. Jalen Green, like you said, I don't think of passing when when that comes to him, but He's going to have to be able to do that because you have Christian Wood. Christian Wood is probably one of the more underrated players in the NBA. And the Rockets, they have two of the first-round picks that are going to get on the floor. Uh, Jason Tate, I really like his game. Uh, Kenyon Martin, so I really like his game as well. They have Eric Gordon, who's on the team. He's another scorer. So you're going to you're gonna have to be able to create offense. Daniel How, he's a pretty solid spot-up shooter. You're going to have to be able to find guys and get open because that will be able to take his game to the next level.
0: Yeah, and kind of transitioning to uh, my next question. Uh, Actually, I'm kind of glad you brought up some of the other younger guys on the Rockets team. And I know you've probably been following a a couple of them when they were coming out of college and playing in the G League. So what's kind of been your opinion of uh, K.J. Martin Jr.? Because, you know, he didn't play college ball. Um, You know, he he played the one year, then he went straight to the NBA and he was drafted, you know, basically at the end of the draft as kind of like an afterthought. But what's kind of been your opinion of, um, I don't know how much you may have scouted him beforehand, but what's I mean, in kind the of your opinion before and you know the season that he had, especially coming on strong at the end of the year.
1: I mean, he—I'll tell you this—he definitely caught me off guard because I was—I wasn't—I know he was a big-time athlete. You know, I had seen yeah. you know videos of him, but he plays hard, man. You're not going to find too many too many players, especially young players that play that hard. You know, like every every time he's on the floor, you know, he—you're going to get you're going to get the most out of him. I definitely respect that. And he fits well in with that team. He just does all the little things they you know some players may or may not want to do. And he's not, I think he's going to have a very long, uh good career.
0: Yeah. And, and, and another player that kind of took off at the end of the year that I know a lot of people um really didn't think that much of that had a great, you know, season uh, with the Rio Grande Valley Vipers was Armani Brooks. What was kind of kind of the consensus come um, for him coming out of college, coming out of U of H, um, was it more just he's uh, just more just a shooter that may kind of find it hard to you know latch onto an NBA roster? Um, but what was kind of the, the scouting report on Armani Brooks when he first came out of Houston and playing in the G League? I
1: thought that he left a year early because he did. He played okay at U of H, and I saw him. But I thought he left a year early, but you know. Things happen, but one thing that we've seen the NBA need, they love 3 and D guys, and they're yes. willing to overpay for them. So if you can get one that's cheap, i.e. Imani Brooks, well, you have, that's a very, that's a big time plus, and he's younger. So, you know, he, he can get in and develop. So I think that he came into, he came into the NBA really at the perfect time. I think it was just perfect timing. You know, like I said before, the NBA, they love 3 and D guys. So if you can find one that's on a cheaper deal, he's always gonna have a uh, he's always gonna have a place in the NBA.
0: Yeah, and I think that's kind of one of the one of those you know few benefits of having a horrible season was the Rockets were able to basically have open right. tryouts throughout the year. Yeah, right. And bringing people like Romani Brooks and Kyrie Thomas and give KJ Martin plenty of playing time, and you know, how he approved his three point shooting from the beginning of the year to the end. Um and I, like I said. You know, we're, we're hoping the Rockets are in the same situation next year. I mean, it's a possibility that they can be back in a lottery again the following year. And let's just say that that does happen. Um, what We do, you know, we know the top players that's going into uh, college next year. What's kind of your opinion on the top three guys? I know like a Chet Holmgren is probably up there. Um, what's kind of your opinion on like some of the top three or four guys that's coming into the uh, uh, NCAA next year, who do you think is kind of going to make the, the biggest splash and somebody that Rockets fans should be paying attention to as a possible lottery pick next year?
1: We definitely know about um Chet, but there's other kid he's going to, uh, Duke Paulo uh, Bonchero. That, that kid there, I think he has crazy potential. 6'10, he's like a 6'10 tweener, three slash four. I know people get really excited when they hear that, but he's very, very, very athletic. I love the way he runs the floor, he's actually pretty skilled. Um, has a good genes. Play, you know, former football player. So I really think I really think that he may even surpass Chet by the end of the okay. year. I think he, I think he may be the um, the number one overall pick.
0: Okay, yeah, I, you know I've been checking out some of his highlights ever since. You know, I, you know, when the Rockets possibly have a couple of picks next year as well. And what's also like another person I've been kind of seeing floating around on some of the, especially on you know, rival is Jabari Smith. What's kind of your opinion on him?
1: Very, 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 very great athlete. You know, good hands around the rim. Superb athlete, runs the floor, block shots. He's gonna be. On, he's gonna be on a. Um, I want to see who comes back on that um, Auburn team, but I think I think they'll be pretty good. I, I think they will be. So with that being said, people are gonna see him a lot more. And you know, you can't ever, you can't ever underestimate the power of what college basketball can do for you. How much money is Jalen Sugg gonna make himself after this year? How much money does Zion make his money this year? I guarantee you, if Jalen Green went to college. I guarantee you he probably would He probably would be the one probably, – he probably might be the number one overall pick if people got to see him. So I think you playing on the biggest stage with other future NBA players, I think that definitely does um, help you. I think another guy as well is uh, Jaden Hardy. He's a big-time scorer. We saw what he did on TV last year. He's a guy – he can just shoot the ball from pretty much anywhere. So I want to see what his development looks like in the G League this year.
0: And you know, speaking of the, uh, the G League and – uh, players deciding to, you know, forego college and go straight into the G League. You know, of course, we just had the ruling where uh, NCA, um, I guess, quote, unquote, is allowing players now to uh, make money off of their likeness and get endorsement deals. Do you think that kind of because I think it was kind of shifting towards not, you know, not the majority of players, but some of the top players were really considering not even going to college, going straight to the G League. Do you think that kind of shifts any of that balance? Or do you still kind of see the influx of Top players deciding, well, I still would rather go play in the G League against, you know, other top players and uh, also make money at the same time.
1: I think that it may have closed the gap a little bit. Um, I think, I think, still, I think college basketball will still be fine, at least for the near for the near future, because college basketball is a proven product. Like it's just proven. I know if you go to college and you play well, you know what's going to happen. But now, once you're adding the aspect of I can make money. As far as endorphins off, I think they even adds to the stigma. But some kids, sure, they're gonna to want to go to the G League or the um, the overtime league because it's new. You know, it's like the, it's like the new Pretty Girl on the Block. Everyone <laughs> wants to go see who she is. That type of thing. But the college basketball has been proven. So I think that them being able to make money definitely will help them. But I still think majority of the top players are still gonna to go to college, or you're gonna. I think that'll happen for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I, you know, as far as the college players, concerned, I don't see how it's its definitely a win-win for them because, you know, when you, when you look at it all this time, you kind of just go back to some of the college players that could have made millions of dollars back in the day. Um, right. if it just not even back in the day, if you just go back a few years with Zion Williams and how much money he could have made in college um, just off of his name alone. But I think it's a win-win either way for, you know, for college players or players, having all those different choices is just a, a good thing. You know, it's is really not a negative when you look at it that way. Um, so, yeah, no, go ahead.
1: Oh, the one thing I would add, too, though, with them going pro or them going to the overtime league is the thing with colleges, if you, quote, unquote, mess up slash fail, yeah. you can go back. And I can go back again and I can go back again. Pro, once you go pro, there is no middle ground you will be yeah. judged and seen as a pro yeah you'll be 18 19 years old but there is no middle ground i cannot go back to school so if you go to the g league play okay you don't get drafted you go to the summer league you're you're okay still and they don't sign you to a team well now now you're you're a man now you know what i mean yeah. there, there is no there, the, the, the mistakes that you're going to be judged as a pro as you should be so that's one thing i would try to just make sure the kids are kids know you know not saying don't take a chance and trust yourself but I want to see what happens this year with the Bayesian Knicks and Isaiah Todd. They played okay this year in the G League, but they're probably going to be second round picks as opposed to they would have went to college. I think Isaiah Todd specifically, he probably would have been um, a first round pick. Bayesian Knicks, he would have been on that UCLA team that went to the final four that was a basket away from going to the national championship. So how, how much different would he have looked? But, you know, it's, you know, we can't go, they can't go back now. So I want to see what is, what's next for them? Because, the leash is probably going to be short because they're going to be a second round pick. And you know, it's the NBA. It's all about making money and winning. So if they're not going to be on the floor producing, well, they're not going to be making those $150,000 dollars they were making once they go back to the G. They're not going to be making that. They're going to to cut that significantly. So does he want to go overseas? Maybe, but it's just if you would have went to college, things would have been different. Isaiah Todd, he would have been on that Michigan team. They went to what, the Sweet 16 or Elite 8? He would have been on that team as well. So how much different would things have looked? And then hindsight 2020 michigan their best or second best player he got hurt so am i am i crazy to say that his playing time would have significantly increased probably
0: yeah and that's a good point That's actually it was, was going to be my uh my final question of the second i was going to ask you which players kind of did a disservice to themselves by going to the g league instead of staying in college and you you actually just answered that because you can definitely get lost in the shuffle because if you're not one yeah. of the top players like Jonathan Kaminga or Jalen Green, you're just kind of getting lost in shuffle of other G League uh, teams where they may not even be getting that much coverage. And if you're in a tournament, you're getting a huge amount of coverage, especially if, you like you said, you go to the lead eight or final four. I mean, let's look at uh, Davion Mitchell and Jalen Suggs. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, Jalen Suggs, you know, before the year wasn't even mentioned as one of the people that can probably be in the lottery, or at least at the top yeah. end of the lottery. So, Easily. So, yeah. So, I mean, you look at them now. Now that both of them are probably top seven. Um, so, you know, it's, I guess it is pros and cons. If, you know, if you stay in college or if you go to a G league. So like you said, each, you know, young, young man has to take that into account. Um, that's going to wrap it up for this first segment. Um, but in the second segment, I definitely get Tobias opinion on to me. It actually is even more interesting. Cause I think it's more intrigue It's the back end of the draft for the Rockets because right. they have the 23rd and 24th pick um, and it's a lot of you know good players at the back end of the draft. So I want to get Tobias' opinion on that. So please stick around.
1: Looking for a better way to rep H-town? Be sure to check out ApolloHou.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code Launch for ten percent off at checkout. ApolloHou, all Houston, all original.
0: And welcome back to Launchpad Podcast, presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. Uh, again, we are joined by Tobias Bass. He is a podcast host for the opinionated six man podcast. And uh, before we get into our second segment, um, uh, the questions I have for him as far as the 23rd and 24th pick, um, Tobias wanted to bring up uh, another point about what we were discussing in the first segment.
1: Well, what I was, was going to say was, I think this class is a lot weaker than people thought before so how many upperclassmen do we have getting drafted you know typically the, the lottery pick is 15 players what 11 12 13 of them would be freshmen maybe you throw a sophomore in there davion mitchell's with a junior you have Franz Wagner's. i think he might be a sophomore cory christopher is a senior you have and even some of uh jared butler he probably be right outside but he's he's a junior all these guys are upper and chris duarte these guys they stayed around for a year because this class it wasn't as good as they thought before. Even Jalen Johnson, Sharif Cooper. I love Sharif Cooper and Jalen Johnson, but they didn't even play a full college season. Yes, you know some some of them might have been for BS reasons. As in Sharif Cooper and Johnson, he decided to to go another route. But this class just wasn't as they thought. You remember B.J. Boston? They thought that he would have been a top three pick. Yeah. a year ago at this time. He's unfortunately he didn't play as good as he thought, and some people really helped themselves, like James Bougnott, Keon Johnson, etc. Trans Wagner. But I think this class it's. I think that this class is interesting because some players, some teams, they're going to get a really, really interesting player late in the draft. And I think the Rockets have a chance to do so.
0: Yeah, and it, it, that leads right into the, the, my um, questions for you. So with the Rockets at twenty-three and twenty-four, of course, it kind—I of, think—I think it kind of depends on who they pick at number two. Because if you go right. big man at number two, then maybe you're looking more guard or forward and right. back end, and you know, vice versa. So a couple of players I wanted to kind of get your opinion on that I think is kind of rising up draft boards and that could possibly be there at 23, 24. Or maybe they even shoot past that. But like the first person I've been really looking at lately and I'm kind of really intrigued by his, you know, his stretch four, you know, capabilities and his shooting uh, is Trey Murphy, the um, mm-hmm. third. What's kind of your opinion on him? Cause he's kind of come out of nowhere in the last few weeks. He's went from second round to, now late first round, possibly middle of the first round. What's your opinion on his, on his game?
1: Great shooter shot 43% from uh, – 43% this year from three. He's he's interesting. Speaking of, you know, this is a Houston podcast. talking about Houston. Rice, he went to Rice before he went to Virginia. Yeah. Rice has an interesting dynamic. If you notice, they they do this thing where they get these kids that people kind of overlook and they go to these big schools. So you have Trey Murphy, he goes from Rice to Virginia. He's probably going to be a lottery pick. You have um, – There's a big man. I can't remember his name. He went to Duke after spending a year at Rice. This was like five or six years ago. You have my guy at USC now. He was their point guard. He was their uh, point guard last year. He plays Rice. He started this year at USC. He might actually get drafted next year. Then you go back maybe three or four years ago, one of the NCAA's leading scorers, he went to BCU. He went to Rice as well. So they have this weird dynamic how they find these players that no one is interested in. And then lastly, 2016, they had a six-eight wing go to Rice. He's rushing. He ended up going to Florida. He didn't get drafted, but he was one of the he was the second or third leading scorer for those Florida teams. So Rice has a very interesting dynamic of how they get these kids, they'll play at Rice for a year or two and then they yeah. leave to do bigger, bigger, better things.
0: Yeah, and that was kind of the, the thing with U of H, you know, before mm-hmm. they had these latest runs where you know players would come there and then they went eventually go on to you know bigger colleges and you know, have better careers and it actually it's kind of reversed now. It seems like we're like Quentin Grimes kind of he, he coming to U of H and then they're having better uh careers with U of H. So yeah, right. that dynamic with Rice is is, is definitely interesting. And, and also with Trey, Mann. I mean, he's one of the, like, I think 10 or 11 players ever to be 50, 40, 90. And then yeah. with that size, I mean, so do you think he's going to be probably more of a lottery pick that he won't even be around in the 20s? Which one? Uh, uh, Trey Murphy.
1: I I think he'll be I think he'll be um in the, in the late twenties. He's interim He's tall. He's six nine. So I I yeah. wonder if they're gonna see if they can use him as a uh, future Rocco type of thing. I don't know if he'll be as good defensively, but the six nine with the forty three percent three point shooting that's it's hard it's hard to pass that up. So I think a playoff team, if they're right on the fringe or maybe someone got hurt, he's definitely a guy I would I would target. I think I think he'll probably be there in in, in the twenties.
0: Okay, and, and another person you know that may not even be in the twenties because he's actually more and more I see him. He's actually closer to the, the middle of the draft is uh, Trey Man. Um, mm-hmm. So he had a down freshman year. He definitely yeah. bounced back uh, last year. Averaging over sixteen points a game. So what's your opinion on Trey Man uh, as he kind of projects into the next level?
1: Um, I think that I think that he's six five from um, from his freshman year to last year. It was like night and day. He got significantly better. He had eleven point uh, points per game increase. His rebounds went from basically two to roughly around six. His since went up three again. He just was a completely different player. He seemed to be a lot more confident. Things started to slow down for him. I think that he. I think that he could be one of those like Anthony Simons guys. The potential is through the roof. That if he, you know, catches a break, I think that he could even be a starting guard in the NBA at some point in his career. I think that you know maybe maybe there's a team with an aging point guard. They'll throw him in there for a couple of games. Like, you know This kid can start, this kid can play. I think that he'll that could be his future.
0: Yeah, and like you said, he's and I think that's kind of what you look for in any player. It's kind of, especially in college, kind of that growth from one yeah. year to the next. And he definitely Man. probably had one of the, the the best jumps from you know his freshman year to his sophomore year. Um, another player I've been kind of looking at that's kind of been uh kind of rising up a little bit, but not talked about it as much, is uh Miles Deuce McBride. Um What's kind of, what's kind of your opinion on him? Cause he seemed like a type of player. I mean, he almost kind of reminds me of a better shooting Marcus smart as far as the way he plays defense. He kind of gets into players, uh, 94 feet. It, It doesn't seem to really matter who he's playing against. I watched some of his tape against Kay Cunningham, where he didn't back down at all against them. Uh, what's kind of your opinion on him?
1: I love, I love uh, Marvin. But he, you know, he, I've seen him many times. as a Texas Tech alum, he killed us when I was back there in February. Yes. He, he be, you know, he came back and came on us. But um, he's really, really talented. He's a gamer. You know, when the lights, when the big lights come on, he's not afraid of the moment. He's a baller. You know, he's a, he's a guy that I think that he'll transition well from college to NBA because the moment is never too big for him. So I think he's a guy you could actually play him. You know, backup guard minutes. And if, you, if your point guard's in foul trouble, might even be hurt or anything like that, I think that he'll be able to fill that void because he just competes and he plays hard. You know, he's always going to make the right decision. And defensively, I think that he comes in the impacts. He's a little shorter. I mean, he's 6'2", but he's going to, whatever guard he's got, he's going to make, he's going to make it tougher than from an offensive and defensive position. I think that you can trust him. You can trust him with those back with those backup point guard minutes.
0: Yeah, and uh, a couple more players I wanted to get to before we uh, wrap up this second segment. Um, another one that a lot of people down, you know, in Houston and Texas probably know pretty well is Greg Brown. I've, I've kind of yeah. seen people kind of go back and forth on him. He had a, a down year last year uh, with Texas where sometimes you didn't even know he was on the court, but he definitely still has the potential, you know, at the next level. So what's your opinion on Greg Brown going into the NBA?
1: So <laughs> – I'm not the biggest fan yeah. of uh, Greg Brown. I think so. I mean, one the, t- the the talent is there. I mean, he's a crazy athlete. We we get it. He's I think he's six nine. With him, and I think the same thing going to go for Kaminga. I think that he would be better if they make him play the four, because every every high school kid and college kid, everyone wants to play the wing until it's time to play these. <laughs> playing yeah. playing wing in the NBA. I mean, look at you. If you had to name the top ten best players in the NBA, a lot of them are wing. Majority of them, but I would say at least half, LeBron, KD, Giannis, Kev, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. But majority of them are wings, so you're going to have to guard players like that. And some of these guys, these are some of the better two-way players in the league as well. So I think that if you play him and also Jonathan Kaminga after four, I think they'll do better for their career. Even the same, because same look at Tobias Harris. He came to the NBA and made him play the wing. He was, he was a couple of okay years before, you know what, we might have to put this guy in the um, – in, in, in the G League, well, what happened? They trade, <laughs> yeah. they traded him, they traded him, and they put him at the four. His points like tripled. He did, you know, you know, you know wow, this this kid, this this, you know, this guy can play. So his his overall career just changed. So now they put him as a tweener, a three slash four. His career, you know, his career has never been the same. But some of these guys, I think they'll be better served as fours. So I think that Greg Brown after four, I think he'd be much more of a mismatch problem than he would be a three because one, his ball handling needs to improve. Well, at the four, a lot of fours, they can't dribble. They're getting a lot more skilled, but I think that his skill level to where it is today, it will be, um, he will be much better served at the four.
0: Yeah, and, and one more question to wrap up this segment. What's like one player that may not be getting enough attention, in your opinion, that could possibly be a steal you know, at the back end of the first round or, or maybe even you know, early second round?
1: Um, Josh Christopher, I think that he's, he's Josh Christopher is very talented. Josh Christopher actually might be one of the more talented players in his class. The, uh, the Arizona state wing, he didn't, he didn't really shoot that efficiency. I know he got better as the year got on, but just from a pure talent standpoint, this kid, he's amazingly talented six, five, six, six combo guard. He really can put the ball on the floor. A crazy athlete. I think he's one. Then also Charles Bassett, he's, he's ironically, he's from Houston, but he ended up going to Western Kentucky. Yeah. He was a five-time recruit coming out of high school. They both were. Charles Bassey, he's – um the biggest thing with Timmy is just focus because you'll put him on the floor sometimes. You know what? This kid can be a lottery pick because I was watching him early in the year, around November-ish, right before Christmas. They actually had him as a top-10 pick. But as you know, his focus, the windows, then you start seeing the Shaft in the Fool moments, and that's kind of where <laughs> his, why his, why his yeah. stock falls. But just from a pure talent standpoint, he's one of the more talented singers in this draft, 6'11", long arms. defends like hell. And he's actually a little bit more skilled than people thought he was actually shooting mid range and threes a little bit more this year. They weren't always going in, but you can see that the improvement from year one to year two.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all going to be interesting for the, like for the first time. And I can remember almost a decade, uh, people in Houston are actually paying attention to the draft. So it's going to be uh pretty interesting coming into this, yeah. you know, final few weeks before the uh, draft with the Rockets. Now we have a number two pick, but 23 and 24. And I have a feeling, you know, knowing, you know Rafael Stone and how he's been operating. That they may not even buy another pick in uh, the second round, like they did last year. So right. it's definitely going to be uh, pretty interesting. Um, that's going to wrap it up for this second segment. The final segment, I actually do want to kind of get to biases, based on something else that's been floating around a lot lately and it's, it's concerning timelines and the Houston Rockets on and what players should be traded and what players shouldn't be traded. Um, that's been a big topic that's been going around lately, so I want to get Tobias' opinion on that. And, of course, the playoffs that are still going on uh, with the Phoenix Suns advancing and Milwaukee and Atlanta uh, going into game six with both having injured superstars, so I want to get Tobias' opinion on all that. So please stick around. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else.
1: Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo H-O-U. All Houston. All original.
0: And continue here on the Launchpad Podcast presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop a review or leave us some stars. Okay, and this is the final segment of the Launchpad Podcast. We are joined by Tobias Bass, uh, podcast host of PN86 man. Um, I want to get your opinion uh, started off with kind of some of the actual Rockets that are, are currently on the roster. And kind of a big point that's been going around back and forth has been whether you should trade players like a Christian would, because even though he had a great year, in some people's opinion, not my opinion, but in some people's opinion, him being 25, about to be 26 here pretty soon, he doesn't necessarily fit the Rockets' youth timeline. And they're saying that once you get players like um, whoever you get, Jalen Green or Evan Mobley, by the time they're actually ready to compete, that he'll already be 30 years old, which and in my opinion, that's just you entering your prime as an NBA player. Um, but right. what's kind of your opinion on, you know, having players like Jay Sean Tate or Christian Wood that are already, you know, 25, 26 in the Rockets, are probably two or three years away from actually, if everything breaks right, being an actual contender for a top four spot. Right now, they're just still rebuilding. So what's kind of your opinion on trading away, you know, good players like a Christian Wood um, that's still kind of in the middle, uh, actually really at more at the beginning of his prime?
1: Um, I really like Christian Wood. I think he's one of the more underrated players in the NBA. To be honest, they really got him for a cheaper deal than I thought that he was going to get. I thought that he was going to get a lot more money than that. So I personally... Would not trade him. Like you say, he's 25. He's not 35. He's 25 years old. <laughs> yes. You know, and I mean, so green, you get a couple of you get greener mobile, they'll be 19 or something like that. They'll still be pretty young. But you're gonna you're gonna need a veteran on your team though. Cause you need you're gonna need a veteran that's a contributing veteran on your team at some point. I think Eric Gordon, John Wall are too old, but Christian Wood, he'd have been in the lead for you know six, seven years. He can kind of help mentor those guys up and you know, show them the rope. Cause you you don't want to throw a team out there with a bunch of 20 year olds. Like you're gonna need mentored at some point to keep them to keep them in line and keep them in check so if you're going to if the goal is to get rid of John Wall Eric Gordon those, and Avery Bradley those guys you're going to need some mentor that that's been in your system for that the players do like and respect I think Christian Wood, you have to keep him Eric Gordon I would get rid of and John Wall if you can I would try to get rid of him as well but he's 25 years old coming out the best year of his career Damn the timeline. The timeline is fine. He's only like six <laughs> years older than them. That I'll, I'll yeah. take. He's only, six years. This is a big deal.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at you know the team that's in the finals that we're going to talk about later. You know, the Phoenix Suns. I mean, they got players like Jay Crowder and I mean Chris Paul. I mean, my God, he's already he, getting closer to forty than he is thirty. But that didn't really make a big make, make it a, a bit of difference if, for them to getting to the finals.
1: If, if I told you that they were the top, they were the eighth oldest team in the NBA, would you
0: believe me? No, yeah, you wouldn't even think about it because you're thinking about yeah, players like Devin Booker and, yeah. and Cameron Johnson and players like that.
1: Yeah, they're the eighth oldest team in the NBA. They have an average age of 27.1. They're tied for eighth, so they're not they're not that young that people think.
0: Yeah, and I, I think people always forget that you're not going to win a championship or really compete at a high level. If you have a bunch of 20 year olds, 20, 21 year old players, Yeah, no way. it just doesn't happen. So you got to have veterans. I know everybody likes to think it's, you know, the NBA is actually 2k where you can just trade away all your veteran players and have none, but young players and still win. But that's just not reality. And, in, in you know, in the NBA, you got to have, like you said, veteran players that have been there that know what it takes um, that knows how to be a professional. So, I mean, I definitely agree. I've been arguing about this for the longest now. There's no way you trade Christian Wood unless you're just getting an absolute better player um, than Christian Wood. I mean, then you may consider it. But just trading him just to trade him just because you don't think he's going to be as good at 30 years old, which is just crazy. It's just not a plan that I I don't think the Rockets front office is even really looking at. Like you said, he's on a player or a team-friendly deal for sure in the next couple of years. So. uh, yeah. Go ahead. The
1: only way I would even consider it is that because you know he got hurt this year. Yeah. Like, let's say, God forbid, but next year he gets hurt again. He has missed half the season. Then I would probably consider it or look into seeing what I could. Then I would probably try to get off him. But let's say he plays sixty-seven games next year. I'm not. I'm not too concerned about. It. And he has a game that it will transition well as he gets older.
0: And, and and speaking of next year, um, I also kind of want to get your opinion on. Uh, Coach Silas, because I know it's kind of hard to really critique any of what he did last year because of all the injuries they had and having the most starting lineups um, of any team last year or any team in probably a long time, actually the last several years. What's kind of been your opinion of what you have seen of Coach Silas on how he's coached up some of the young players like Jay Sean Tate, who nobody – was even thinking about it. he was in the, you know playing out in Australia wasn't even drafted uh, two or three years ago and KJ Martin and what do you think of uh, Coach Solid as a coach and, and going into this next year?
1: I mean, for with the circumstances that he was thrown, I think he did a great job. Your best player, or both your best players want to leave as soon as you step yeah. off off the plane. Okay, you bring in <laughs> yeah. you bring in John Wall, an older player, big ego because he's had a lot of success in the NBA. May or may not have wanted to be there. Then you have uh, Demarcus Cousins, who was there as well. People, I almost forgot about that. He <laughs> walks. You go find Kevin Porter, who was battling, you know, some off, you know, off the court of issues. You go find him, and then wow, this guy—he's a—he's a big breath of fresh air. You know, he comes in immediately, and he—he's he, balling. You find Jason Yante. You find Kenyon Martin Jr. I think for, like I said, the circumstances that he was dealt, he played—he he played pretty well. They had a bad season, but I mean, how many—how many coaches? have been able to have a successful season like that we've seen we've seen coaches with talent who fail so with them dealing with all these off the off the court issues literally day one i think he did a phenomenal job and i think that what he did last year i wouldn't not from a winning standpoint as far as a developing and finding talent standpoint he found what three three future players are going to be on this that should be on this team for a while maybe even four if you count a brooks so he found four young guys that they'll
0: they, be playable for the near future. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I definitely agree. I mean, if you look at it, greatest coaches of all time, Greg Popovich, missed the playoffs because guess what? He didn't have as good of players as he used to have. Right. Um Steve Kerr, you know, who won all those championships. Guess what? They missed the playoffs last year because they didn't have great players. They had a bunch of injuries, right. so... Yeah, I mean, you, you got to look at it that way. I mean, I know a lot of people are disappointed and were questioning some of Coach Stiles' rotations, which I just don't understand because how can you have a rotation when you don't even know who's playing that night? So, I mean, right. I think you really can't start judging them or him or Rafael Stone really until this next year and actually give them a full, like you were talking about earlier, um, not being a, players not being able to you know, go to these different showcases and different things last year. It was the same thing with the NBA. They didn't have a full training mm-hmm. camp. They had compressed schedules. So I think this year is where you can actually really start to evaluate, you know, people like coach Silas and Rafael stone. Um, And another thing, you brought up Kevin Porter jr. What was your opinion on, uh, do you think he would have been like a top five pick if he didn't have the off court issues um, right before he came into the draft?
1: Talent wise, I mean, talent wise. Yes. Um, I think that um, last year, if he didn't have, I think he would have definitely been high because last year's draft was kind of weird too. You have like Darius Garland, yeah. You know he was on a he was on a bad team. You know, Jared Colby's a tech grad. I mean, I really liked him coming out, but Kobe White was okay. Jackson Hayes, really athletic. You know, even Cameron Reddish, he went tenth, and we didn't even get to see his full potential at Duke a year ago, strictly yeah. because of uh, you know what, what he uh, what he went through. Oh, just yeah. So I I think that um. I think it, I think a draft like, would have been how he wouldn't have had the off the field off the quarter issue. I think so. Maybe maybe right at the bottom lottery, but yeah, I think right so. Lottery.
0: Okay. And I mean, yeah, that's just something that you know you gotta think about. You have a basically a potential lottery that you uh yeah. pick that you got for a second round pick that's never gonna convey to the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I mean that's a win just by itself right there. Um and before we uh, wrap up the show, again, we're here with Tobias bath I want to get your opinion on the playoffs so far. That's been, like, riddled with injuries. I think every team um, has yeah. had some type of injury, some more major than others. Um, first off, what's, what your, what's your opinion on Phoenix runs? I know a lot of people want to always throw asterisks on everything, <laughs> no matter yeah. what team wins. But what's kind of your opinion on, is it more, well, hey, Chris Paul's been had bad look all the way up until now, maybe he deserves some, you know, not that you wish injury on anybody else, but I mean, that's part of the NBA. What's kind of been in your opinion on Phoenix's run up to the finals?
1: I mean, I, mean, I love it. You know, Chris Paul is is actually my favorite player um, of all time. So I'm definitely glad to see what he's doing. I'm glad to see that Devin Booker, because, you know, remember a few years ago, Devin Booker was, he was upset. You know, he was even, there was even rumors that he even wanted to get out of there. So the yeah. fact to see him winning, is, is really good. And I'm glad to see different teams, you know, rise. get you know, like last year we saw Miami. You know, I'm, I'm, I am like seeing, you know, the Lakers and all that, I like to see other teams step to the forefront, even like Milwaukee. Personally, I want to see the Hawks play the Suns. We'll see what happens tonight. But I'm just glad to see it overall, just the NBA is showing that there's parity. You know, basketball is one of the few sports where there is very little mm-hmm. to no parity. Yes. NFL is like that. You never know who's going to win. But basketball, you can pretty much pick six or seven teams who you – we probably are going to go to the finals every year, but I'm just glad to see what's happening right now.
0: Yeah, that's true. And I think that I think that may have changed a lot of GM's minds as far as, you know, how they approach next year. Like, they may look at it well if teams like Atlanta Hawks – I mean, I know they got Trey Young, but they don't have another superstar. If they can do that, right. maybe we should evaluate talent differently or maybe we should evaluate free agency differently. So I think it has a ripple effect down throughout the nba because even with the phoenix Suns, yes you have chris paul and devin booker but were not a lot of people thinking the phoenix Suns were going to be in the nba finals when the year started right. i mean it was really the lakers some maybe talk about the clippers but i mean even even when utah struggling they had the best regular league so yeah i definitely agree i think it helps the nba in the long run i know a lot of people like to bring up ratings and it won't be as well. interesting and things like that no yeah go ahead
1: Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I want to talk. I'm actually, I'm actually glad you brought up the ratings. You can go yeah. ahead. but I want to talk about that, too.
0: Yeah. No, I'm just going to say that I, I think the for one thing, ratings are kind of an antiquated system anyway. I don't think that most people that watch the NBA, especially young people, even watch it in a traditional way. But I think the ratings thing is kind of overrated because I think that if you look at it, I mean, NBA is the most popular sport when it comes to social media and i think that's kind of yeah. the future of sports anyway is social media so i think that if you look at it, having different teams in the in the finals it's going to be a good thing in the long run for the nba
1: right i agree and this year's playoff is the highest highest rated playoff since 2002 and yeah. i think that people have to understand you know last year with the bubble situation the nba was going very political with the blm movement and things like that but People were so worried about, well, I'm not going to watch it and the ratings are going down. Well, people have to understand when you go, when you talk about TV markets, there's A, B, C and D markets. You have A is like big city, Houston, Dallas, like that. You have the B market is like the suburbs. You have the C, which is the inner city you have the D, which is rural. Yeah. OK, the only markets where they saw a decrease in rating was rural. But to be honest, they call they only chalk up a very very small percentage of ratings so the nba they don't really care about Like, not saying they don't care about their fans or who's watching who's not but if if as long as the ratings aren't going down in an a and b market they're not really too concerned what d thinks about the rule you know there's, there's only 50 people in that town you know they're not concerned about <laughs> yeah. what 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 happens with that particular side of the rating so far like i said this nba playoff is the highest rated since 2002 so the, all the political backlash it would just be
0: Yeah. And and I agree. It's just, you know, they're saying, well, you know, like you said with the black lives matter, that it's going to bring down the NBA and this and that. But like you said, they, they know who they're focusing, who their target audience is. And they, and they do all the research on it. I mean, they spend millions of dollars on this. So they, they know exactly what they are doing. they knew that if they were able to get fans back in the stands, that people would watch the NBA and be right back on it. And this is without LeBron James even getting past the, you know, getting out of the, the, you know, into the conference finals, So, I mean, if you look at it, you have, you're able to elevate young stars like Trey young and Devin Booker and, you know, even Donovan Mitchell. And then, you know, you have great stories like Chris Paul. So the NBA in the long run, like I said, this is going to benefit them, you know, greatly because you don't have all have the traditional markers in there. Like you have Atlanta, you have uh, Arizona, you have Milwaukee. So that's just going to, you know, make it even easier going into next year for you know the NBA to be even bigger than it is right now. Um, and before we wrap up the show, um, I wanted to get your opinion on tonight's game. I don't, th- I don't know if we've heard one way or another where Giannis is playing. I don't think he's going to play tonight. I don't think he's going to play any more in the playoffs, but um, Trey Young is still a game time decision. Do you see Atlanta kind of uh, taking this, uh, taking tonight's game or do you see uh, Milwaukee coming back and, Taking this game and moving on to the finals.
1: I think that the Hawks will win it tonight. Last the game before, I thought that was. I don't even. I didn't get what what would happen to them the game before because Giannis didn't play. Yeah. Capella ended up playing, and they just didn't look the same team before. But I think that I mean the fans in Atlanta, they'll be rowdy. They'll be crazy. I think that Atlanta will play. Um, I think they will. I think they will win tonight and go and force a game seven.
0: Yeah, and what do you think the chance of Trey Young playing? Because I think it's pretty much hundred percent. I think he was a game time decision. Last game he tested it out, and with them on the brink of getting eliminated, and I mean, the NBA is a fickle league. You never know if you're ever going to be back to this point. And do you right. do you think it's do you think it's a chance that Trey Young um, sits out tonight, or do you think it's pretty much? I mean, you can't guarantee it because it is an injury. But do you think it's a really good chance that he plays tonight?
1: I think I think yeah, I think it is a very good chance that he does play tonight. I And mean, he doesn't have a choice. Like you said, stuff happens in the NBA so quickly, guys get traded, people get hurt. You no, know, things just happen. So I think in this situation, if you're at Atlanta, you haven't been good in forever, you have to go for it. Like if he's if he's able to be 80, 95 percent of himself, you have he has to play. You have to go for it because things change. You know, you guys there's a chance next year, you guys might not make the playoffs. you know, someone could get hurt, yeah. the team could you get a superstar. So I think they they have they have to go for it. I know Trey Young; he's a big time competitor. I know that he hates it now, and I think that he'll. I think he will play tonight.
0: And uh, real quick before we wrap up the show, so let's say that um, Atlanta or Milwaukee, either one, you know, of course makes it to the finals. Do you think? Do you give them any chance against a healthy Phoenix team, or do you kind of see Phoenix? This is just their year, and Chris Paul is finally gonna get his first ring.
1: Uh, I think that the Suns they beat whoever. I think I think the Suns are that good, and they're going to be a great story for the NBA. I think Chris Paul. his first ring and I think that Devin Booker if he wins if he wins his first ring this year I think that he needs to start moving up the NBA rankings as far as how we view him as a player because you know he was one of those players two years ago he was an empty stats player you know his stats didn't they didn't translate to winning well Chris Paul comes along and he's his game is just taking off to to a new level I think that we can see him as moving up the ladder as far as how we view him as a player.
0: Yeah, and I, and I agree because you know it always finds it funny because Trey Young was one of those empty set guys too before yeah, he this was year. Too. So it's it's just funny how it works out once you start winning in the playoffs. And I mean, me personally, you know, it's still a sour taste in my mouth how the whole Chris Paul thing went down, which you know, majority of it was wasn't his fault. How you know he left Houston. And I'm actually happy for him because he's been through a lot in his career. I mean, he's yeah. been at least 16 years and Um, you know, the way he wasn't able to play in the last cup game, which he mentioned um, in the press conference, um, I'm sure it still haunts everybody here in Houston and himself. So it's good to see him finally get his ring and, you know, a a new team, you know, able to step up and maybe people will stop hating on, you know, Devin Booker. And I mean, even Paul George, he had a, he had a great playoff series. I always thought it was crazy the way people labeled him, but I think it will be great for the NBA if Chris Paul finally gets his ring. And, you know, another team steps up there. But before yeah. we wrap up the show, uh, Tobias, why don't you let everybody know where they can find your work?
1: Oh, you, well, one, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Tobias underscore Bass. That's T-O-B-I-A-S underscore Bass, like the fish. And um, you can check out some of my articles on Zagsblog.com. It's a website by Adam Zagori. He's a big time writer up there in New York. And I'll just be at a bunch of events. So, you know, check out my social media. I'll probably be posting videos, some of the recruits that I'm covering or interviewing, and I'll have some big, um, interviews as well and i'll probably be breaking some news probably this weekend or throughout the week of next week as well
0: yeah like i said you are one of the hardest working people i know in sports media and not only you only do you report but you also break news that nobody else does so i mean i definitely follow your work i you know I, I'm, I'm i'm so happy for you that you you know risen up as much as you have since i've started following you and all the hard work you put in so i definitely appreciate you jumping on the podcast today
1: no problem, thanks, man. Anytime you want to have me on, I'm I'll, I'll come on for sure.
0: Oh yeah, I'll definitely be having you back on, um, because we have a we'll be have a lot of time this off season to discuss all the draft picks and yeah, all stuff going on. So I definitely have you back on. Um, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's draft month. The
1: draft is in what three three and a half weeks, twenty six days, I think.
0: Yep. On the 29th? Yeah. Yeah. So it's right around the corner. And for the first time in a long time, I think for the first time um, all year, Rockets fans actually have something to be happy about. So yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely looking forward to that. Uh, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And be sure to follow at Apollo H-O-U, that's Apollo H-O-U is all caps, for blogs, merch, video, podcasts, and more original Houston sports content not found anywhere else. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of Launchpad Podcast covering your Houston Rockets.